Part of the Rewatching Good Television Podcast Network. It's the Sorkin Cast. Here's your host, Matthew Murdick. And welcome to the Sorkin Cast. It's episode 35 of the podcast. Thanks for joining me. This week we are covering West Wing, season 2, episode 9, entitled Galileo. And my name is Matt Murdick, and I am from sorkincast.wordpress.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes in a streaming or downloadable form. You can also find the contact links and podcatcher links. And if you would like to leave me a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, I would be very much appreciative of it. I will thank you during our feedback podcast, which will cover all of the feedback for the movie, The Social Network, that I did with Bubba, and all of the Season 2 episodes through Episode 11 of Season 2. And if you have any thoughts about any of those episodes or the movie or about this podcast in general and you want me to answer your feedback uh, during the feedback podcast, please submit your stuff to me by April 19th of 2016. And then the podcast uh, with your feedback in it will come out the following Sunday. Also, remember, it's never too early to start thinking about your Season 2 West Wing Awards, which we will have in the feedback podcast after the Season 2 finale. But you may have come across some favorites or least favorites already in this stretch of episodes we've been reviewing. So think about your favorite and least favorite episode, or favorite and least favorite scene, or the same for main character or guest star. And uh, I'll give you a date, a deadline to submit those by as well after we get on the other side of the uh, first 11 episodes here. How do you send any of this stuff? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Send an email to sorkincast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at sorkincast on Twitter, or you can call the voicemail line, which is 314-669-1840. Um, that's a line that I use for multiple podcasts, so be sure to say who you are and and which podcast you're leaving your feedback for, and then launch right in, and I'll be able to play your voicemails during the feedback podcast as well. I suppose I should tell you that, you know, we're coming up on the end of our first half of season two, so it's time already, since I have to kind of prepare clips and stuff like that in advance, to start thinking about what we're going to do after season two of The West Wing. And you will find a poll um, that I've put up at the website, sorkincast.wordpress.com. There is a little link at the top of that page that says, What's Next? Click on that, and you'll find the poll where you get to decide what we cover next on this cast. Um, The deadline to vote for that poll is uh, Mother's Day, May 8th, 2016. That's as long as I can go um, and still be able to prepare clips in time uh, to be able to give you a consistent podcast from here on out. And I guess that's enough about the podcast, so let's get to talking about this episode. It's Season 2, Episode 9 of The West Wing, entitled Galileo. It was written by Kevin Falls and Aaron Sorkin. 
and it was directed by Alex Graves. It first aired on November 29, 2000, and was viewed by an estimated 19 million viewers. Now, Geos.tv, the Global Episode Opinion Survey, ranks this episode 28th out of 158 possible episodes. And here is your episode summary. The White House awaits word from a Mars probe mission gone awry, all the while dealing with a Russian missile silo crisis. And while Bartlett tasks the team to come up with a broader theme for the Mars mission classroom session, CJ and Sam must also face up to people who they've wronged. Every week we also have a little clip up front that we call the walk and talk of the week. You know, with Alex Graves, I, and I, I loved his stuff uh, that he directed in Game of Thrones for the most, most part. Um, I, I love the way that he shoots things, but he really takes the walk and talk to extremes in his episode. It seemed like this whole episode was just one big walk and talk. So I had a hard time truncating down to just, just one singular one. Uh, but I did finally settle on uh, Toby getting stamp duty from Leo and then passing it on to Josh. Here's that. Toby, do you know how a stamp is chosen? A stamp? Yeah. No? You're going to learn. Why? The Postmaster General needs your help. Why? The Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee has... There's a Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee? Yes. Made up of members of the There But For The Grace Of God Go I Club. You want to mock people or you want to let me talk to Toby? I want to mock people. The Citizen Stamp Advisory Committee has recommended to the Postmaster General that Marcus Aquino be put on the next issue. You know who he is? No. He's a former resident commissioner of Puerto Rico and a Korean war hero. What's the problem? He advocated statehood, right? Strongly advocated it. Give it to somebody else. No. Please? This is a public face thing. The Postmaster General wants your help. Well, he can wait on a line around the block while two of my 20 teller windows are open. Make a recommendation by the end of the day. Yeah. What are you smiling at? Nothing. I just... Toby got the stamp assignment. Leo, I might need some help. Take Josh. Thanks. Congratulations. You're choosing the next stamp. Wow, that happened fast. See, Josh, that's what you get when you say you want to make fun of people. That's what you get for being a smartass. <laughs> that walk and talk, of course, did have some funny in it, right down to the punchline of Josh getting the the, the stamp duty. Uh, here's some more funny from the episode in the section that we call the quick jabs, which are personal or professional or just funny points throughout the episode. Who wrote this intro? I did. You're from NASA Public Affairs? Yeah. You mind if I give it a polish? Is there a problem? No, it's great. You mind if I change it? I'd prefer if you didn't. Just the same. Public Affairs has cleared the text. If it's going to be changed, I'd prefer if the president changed it. See, that's kind of what he pays me to do, so. Look, I don't want to step on your toes. You don't want to step on mine. We're both writers. Yes, I suppose, if we broaden the definition to those who can spell. Excuse me? I was about to tell you, apparently it's important that you go. To a concert? Yes, sir. Did Buddy Holly come back? So, you know what? So it took me two hours and 20 minutes longer to figure it out than it took you. Doesn't make you smarter than I am. Of course not. Thank you. My SAT scores, on the other hand. I've got to go start spinning the green bean problem. Knock him dead. Sam, did I tell you not to get a crush on the boss's daughter? Yeah. Don't you have a vegetable crisis to fix or something? Yes. Okay. Firing them deep into the ground is part of the mission's search for evidence of water under the surface. We think if we hit the ground hard enough, we can make it to the center of the planet and find water? Yeah. That's not a theory of physics pretty much disproved by Wiley e. Coyote? In the meantime, 
Mallory's going to be there with her boyfriend, and it's going to be weird because we haven't spoken to one another since the picture, which was wrong, I know, but I'm not even sure there was an implied obligation okay. to do that. Please, let's remember, it's not like we were dating, we were flirtation. We had one date, and the rest were all with groups of people, and I don't know, I don't even know what dating is anymore. Well, that's 20 seconds of my life I'm never going to get back. The Russian ambassador's here. Thanks. I left her alone because I think I was freaking her out. It wouldn't surprise me. Modern music is cool. Modern music sucks. Anything written after 1860 sucks. Samuel Barber, Symphony Number no. 2 sucks. Stravinsky, Variations on a Theme sucks. Schoenberg, Enlightened Night for String Orchestra. Totally blows. Listen, um... Yeah? Playing along with this for a moment. Is there anything I should do to improve my chances next time around? Well, when we run for re-election, I'd vote for somebody else. And there you go. Some funny moments in the episode. Uh, I try to uh, trim the plot stuff down as much as I can in order to keep with certain restrictions that I have. Um, and then I try and dump most of the funny stuff into those two clips uh, that we get up front. But let's get into talking about the plot of this episode, Galileo. We'll start with the first clip where the president gets excited about the space probe and uses Sam to demonstrate to CJ that she should be excited about it too. Toby finds a troublesome green beans story in the newspaper, and Leo tells Bartlett that he has to attend a concert. The security briefing reveals that a Russian missile silo has had an explosion, and Bartlett then asks for a broader theme for the probe classroom, and for Sam and CJ to come to the concert with him to plan for that. All the while, Toby has delegated a stamp duty to Josh and Donna, and CJ confirms Toby's green bean suspicions. Galileo 5. Yes, sir. Just the name. Galileo 5. You can feel the adventure. Yes, indeed. NASA's great at naming things. They are. Mercury, Apollo, Atlantis, the Sea of Tranquility, the Ocean of Storms. Good names. First time I heard Galileo 5, the way the imagination immediately, it reminded me of the way folks in my generation felt when we heard Yellow Submarine. Okay. We really did all want to live in a yellow submarine. I can't believe they gave you people driver's licenses. Tell me where we're going again. Mars briefing rehearsal. Why? To rehearse. Say the name. I said the name. Say it again. Your imagination like a child will explode with unrestrained possibilities for adventure. Galileo 5. You didn't say it right. I said it fine. Say it again. Good morning. 11 months ago, a 1,200-pound spacecraft blasted off from Cape Canaveral, Florida. 18 hours ago, is it 18 hours ago? We're on the air at noon Eastern. Yeah. 18 hours ago, it landed on the planet Mars. You, me, and 60,000 of your fellow students across the country, along with astro-scientists and engineers from the Jet Propulsion Lab in Southern California, NASA Houston, and right here at the White House. We're going to be the first to see what it sees and to chronicle the extraordinary voyage of an unmanned ship called Galileo 5. He said it right. An unnamed White House source. I read the story. I just didn't highlight it. You don't think this is going to get picked up? No. Why not? It's absolutely not a story. Come see me in three hours. It's not a story. See me in three hours. How many moons does Mars have? Two, Phobos and Deimos, the two horses that pull this chariot. Get out. Three hours. Carol? Yeah? She wants information on green beans. You have work to do. I'm picking a stamp. Nobody likes people who know everything. Who I've discovered in my life? Give me information on green beans. Iceland is considering defying the ban on whale hunting imposed by the International Whaling Commission. They're in danger of joining Norway and Japan. 
Needless to say, both the State Department and the Fisheries Subdivision of the Department of Agriculture feel that we shouldn't do anything to offend Iceland right now. Which we did by canceling the meeting yesterday. Apparently. So to make up for it, I'm going to see the Reykjavik Symphony. Yes, sir. With uh, Ambassador... Uh... Vidis Olastotter. There was an explosion? Well, Intertas is reporting that there's a fire burning at an oil refinery in Kozilsk. That's in the Oblast region? Yeah. What's the problem, Jack? There is no oil refinery in Kozilsk. The closest oil refinery is about 20 kilometers southeast. It's not a refinery fire. It's a missile silo. There was an explosion in the missile silo? We can't confirm that at this point, but the Russians have 20 SS-19s in the quadrant, and Keyhole has pictures of a column of smoke, emergency personnel on the ground, but no burning structure. Certainly no oil refinery. You want a broader theme for the classroom? Charlie? I really do. Have Sam and CJ come tonight. I'll be in my office. Thanks. Yes, sir. The committee then makes a recommendation to the Postmaster General, in this case, Marcus Aquino. He won the Silver Star for service in Korea. There are numerous instances listed here of life-saving valor and actions well above and beyond the call. As Puerto Rico's resident commissioner, he served Congress faithfully and well. Let's put him on a stamp. Let's put you on a stamp. Okay. Let's talk about the problem. Two hours and 20 minutes. Yes. Let me say first that you were right and I was wrong. And the odds makers take a beating. When I said before that nobody would pick it up. Yes. Everybody's picked it up. Yes. And when I said that even if they did, it wouldn't be a big deal. Yes. Turns out it's a bit of a deal. Yes. You know where? In Oregon. In Oregon. You know why? Because they're a major producer of green beans. They're a huge producer, Toby. Green beans or snap beans represent a significant percentage of Oregon's annual revenue. But here's the thing. There's an electoral problem? There's an electoral problem. We won Oregon by less than 10,000 votes, and we're going to need them. Yeah. Normally, uh, for time's sake, I- I'm able to cut most of the teaser leading up to the o- opening credits out. But I-, I just couldn't make myself do it this time. There was way too much like beauty and poetry and even funny in uh, Bartlett and CJ's walk. Plus, the whole thing about saying it right comes back at the end of the episode so beautifully that... I had to include Bartlett and CJ and, and Sam uh, rewriting the NASA stuff as well. I kind of really wish every teaser of the West Wing could be as beautifully done and executed as this teaser was. I, I mean, this teaser like instantly compelled me to watch this episode simply for the way it was done. I thought it was beautiful. And uh, for the first time in a while, it seems like Toby's having a a pretty good day, um, despite the fact that he actually finds green beans troubling. I don't know if that's having a good day or not, but he's really not doing a whole lot. I mean, he's delegating the stamp thing to Josh. He's having CJ run down this green beans story. Um, And that's like I said, that's ridiculous to think about. Uh, I love the point at the end of the episode, how, how green beans should not affect electoral math i still though i wonder if it's like not ranked in there as a lot less preposterous than some of the things that come across some people at the white house you know desk uh from time to time but in the meantime while while toby's kind of flaunting his smarts and awareness to to cj i I do want to point out that as i mentioned in last week's episode that the holiday-themed episodes, like last week's was a Thanksgiving episode, it seemed to abandon character um, just for the sake 
of giving Toby something to do in the episode. This is a perfect case because here Toby picks out this little itty bitty story about green beans and is instantly alerted to the problems that it might cause. And that instantly reminds you about the story uh, that he picked out about Mandy going to work for that senator and how that might be a problem for Bartlett. Um, And he kind of tasked Josh to work on that. So it's not like he can't be aware, but last week he went charging in without knowing anything about that photograph about Leo's sister. That just uh, seemed out of character. And it was just so that they could have Leo's sister there and they could bring in the family thing um, a little bit uh, because, of course, Thanksgiving is a family kind of holiday. And the school issue is something that he really cares about. That's the thing. Uh, And I thought that all that stuff as to the reason why was very compelling. Um, Maybe that's the reason why he was a little blindsided about Leo's sister. But I don't think it was enough because here you see that just the slightest thing um, really sets Toby's mind to working. So why did he miss it? Because it was convenient for the theme of the holiday episode. Okay, I've done enough. uh, I know I've done enough complaining about that. Sorry, I'm supposed to talk about this episode. But this particular green bean Toby is the Toby that we know him to be, whereas I feel like last week's was not. Now, as for him delegating the the stamp stuff to Josh. And oh, by the way, I love that while Toby is talking to CJ about green beans, he claims to be selecting the stamp, right? That's just too funny. I mean, Toby's Toby's having a day kicking up on his heels and just being the brains for everybody else and not having to do anything himself. I do have to point out, though, uh, that during the uh, Josh-Donna talk about the stamp, that uh, Josh said, let's put you on a stamp. You know, that makes... Josh and Donna Shippers very happy when they hear things like that. And I'll even, for myself, go so far to say that it was cute. I did include some of the stamp stuff later, uh, but some of it I had to cut for time. But I really thought that the whole Josh and Donna stuff uh, was pretty much great this episode regarding the stamp. Um, I just had to cut some of it out for for time's sake. And I also want to say that it feels like this particular episode is very issue heavy. I mean, now some of it's a little frivolous, I admit, the green beans thing. Um, the stuff really about CJ and Sam having to deal with their past, um, that was good character stuff. But as far as the main issue, this Russian missile silo thing is definitely not frivolous. Um, and it it's treated with weight throughout the episode, but it never becomes overbearing to all of the other things going on, which I found really interesting. It seems like everything kind of gets its due time in this episode, which isn't always the case. Some things get balanced more heavily than others sometimes in episodes. And I really can't decide whether the fact that the Russian missile silo thing doesn't seem to have a whole lot more weight, if that's good or bad. Um, But it is acceptable. And it was kind of a, a nice surprise to see how that the mission to Mars and Sam and Mallory uh, seemed to have just as much importance in this episode as the Russian missile silo stuff. Finally, that whole Reykjavik Orchestra concert thing uh, is what sets up Sam and CJ having a, a potentially really bad evening, as we'll find out in the next clip. And let's get to it, because in clip two, 
Sam and CJ both object to going to the concert for their own personal reasons. A briefing about the missile silo is trumped by news that the Galileo probe may have failed. Josh and Donna debate about putting a person in favor of Puerto Rican statehood on a stamp. Toby gets probe updates. Leo talks to the Russian ambassador. And Leo's daughter, Mallory, finds Sam at the concert. The president wants you to go with him tonight to the Kennedy Center. Why? He wants to discuss a theme for the closed-circuit classroom tomorrow morning. A theme? Yeah. We're landing a probe on Mars. Yeah. That's the theme. He wants to discuss a broader theme, and he wants Sam, too. Who else? That's it. Oh, Mallory's going. You, Sam, Mallory, the president, and an Icelandic delegation. I can't go. Why not? There'll be State Department people there. Yeah? I just added a new deputy. Most of the people I interviewed were from state. The Kennedy Center's going to be packed to the Potomac with people I just rejected. So is the bar at the Four Seasons. What do I be there? Tell Sam. Carol! And I think it's incredible the president's asked the two of us. It's a privilege. And we should attack with energy to the moment. Mallory's going to be there. I can't go. I never called her after the picture. Me and Lori in the newspaper, I never called her. She never called me. You haven't spoken to her since the picture? No. What about the shooting? You didn't see her at the hospital? No. I mean, I did, but no. She started seeing somebody. Every morning at your intelligence briefing, seven days a week, you're told about the troubling state of the Russian military. I think you just saw evidence of it. You think somebody screwed up? I think either somebody screwed up or a computer did. You want to know the truth? I think an early warning ballistic missile system and the troops who run it mistakenly detected a bogey from a flock of Norwegian geese. Where are we with the Russian ambassador? She's still claiming it's an oil refinery fire. Leo, I want you to see her as soon as she can get here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, sir. Leo? Mike? Yeah? Did you have the president's NASA advisor come over? Yes, sir. Can I tell him why? We lost the signal from Galileo. Yes. Isn't anyone worried that if they're they're not given statehood, they're going to want independence? Exactly. No one is worried about that. You know why? Because Puerto Rico is absolutely dependent on U.S. manufacturing, which contributes 40% to the GDP and accounts for 24% of their workforce. I don't care. People don't sit still for tyranny. How is it tyranny? Puerto Ricans have to register to be drafted into the armed forces, yet they're not allowed to vote for president. They're expected to die for a commander-in-chief they had no voice in electing. We have colonized Puerto Rico, and they will rise up against us. I think we can take them. That's what we said about the British. We took the British. You know what I'm saying. Hardly ever. Then it entered what they call a communications blackout period and hasn't been heard from since. I know how it feels. What are they trying? They're trying the things they try. I'm going to give it an hour and then tell Leo we've got to cancel the classroom. You have a fire in the missile silo. It is an oil refinery. These are keyhole satellite photographs. Would you point, please, to the oil refinery in these pictures? I'm not in a position to comment on matters of national security. Okay, can you tell me how an oil refinery explosion would affect national security? This is really a matter to be taken up with the foreign minister. No, I'm taking it up with the Russian ambassador to the United States. Is your country ready to deny there was an explosion at Sego Silo 14D? Hey, Sam. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. And you? Good. Excellent. Can I just say that I was the one who was in trouble? I was the one under siege. It was my picture in the paper, and uh, I don't know why I needed to call you and explain myself. It was a picture of you and a call girl. Oh, like there aren't any pictures of you and a call girl. No, there aren't any pictures of me and a call girl. Well, that's a crime. You know, if you just picked up the phone... Yeah, yeah, who's your boyfriend? 
I don't think... What's his name? His name is Richard Andrewchuk. His hockey player named Richard Andrewchuk. Well, unless there are two of them. You're dating Richard Andrewchuk? Yes, and we're having quite a lot of sex. I think you'd almost have to. What does that mean? What the hell do you and Richard Andrewchuk talk about? He happens to be a terribly bright guy. Well, good, because he's a really bad hockey player. He's had injury problems this season. From falling down. So, CJ and Sam, they get this broader themes assignment, and both are not looking forward to going at all. We get a little more on CJ later, but for this clip, it's it's Sam that really has to face his problem first. And as you might know, if you listen to my season one podcast, this is a huge deal for me because I'm sure you heard me covering, you know, Mallory and Sam before, and, and you know what a big fan I am of Mallory and even the actress playing her, Allison Smith. And during the podcast last season, I remember speculating that Mallory had stopped seeing Sam before the picture with Lori came out, but apparently that was not the case. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got that. Uh, I guess I missed that in the first time around that I ever watched season two, or maybe even the second time or the fifth time. Uh, I apologize. But here you get the fact that Sam just stopped calling Mallory, um, which is evidently why Mallory finally, I guess, just gave up. But that makes me wonder now what the heck Sam was talking about to Josh when he was talking about getting his heart stomped on. Maybe it was due to the engagement that didn't end in marriage uh, for Sam. Uh, We saw him speak about that to Josh in the flashbacks during the Shadow of Two Gunmen episodes. Um, Back to the present day, though. Uh, We put that to bed. We know why they aren't talking anymore. As a listener had submitted in, in a feedback podcast, Mallory had already known that Sam had already slept with a call girl. Um, from the first time that they met. So why would she have not called him after the picture? Well, obviously, because it was months later, and you were dating Mallory, Sam. There's no reason for Sam to think that Mallory should call him. That's why. You freaking idiot, Sam. I mean, for all she knew, you were still sleeping with her. And a picture kind of makes it appear... That way, you're giving her gifts and all this other stuff. Mallory probably just thought it was better for her to cut her losses after a date or two than wait around. And Sam, I got to say, man, you blew it, dude. She's the best girl you'll ever have. She probably even wanted to give you another chance if you would have just called her. And instead, Sam kind of stands on this ceremony with Mallory about being under siege in this last bit of the clip. I mean, Sam, face it. You blew it, buddy. You made a bad call. And if it was me and Mallory, I would have never made that bad call. And believe me, calling her current boyfriend dumb isn't going to help you with score any points either. Nor is it going to make you feel any better about yourself in the morning. You're the freaking dummy here, Sam. Okay, now I got that out of my system. Um, Well, Sam is a dummy about Mallory. I have to admit that I was a dummy for the most part about all of this stuff about statehood for Puerto Rico. You may have heard me admit before uh, that civics and and history were not things that I was always all that good at in school. Um, I remember that the first time I saw this episode, I didn't even know that Puerto Ricans had to register for the draft or that they had a representative that had no real power. 
in the Congress. I just thought that they were a territory, and, and as territories go, I didn't know that they got representatives with no power, but that their citizens still had to pretty much adhere to some federal laws. There are other U.S. Ter- territories like that. I've, I've since learned all of this stuff, um, American Samoa and, and such like that, having the same problem as Puerto Rico. So federal government's kind of bad in that way. And I guess I have to just say that while I don't like the fact that, you know, sometimes they have to dumb Donna down in regards uh, to the humor, uh, I don't really appreciate that too much. Um, the research that she came up with for Josh uh, made me appreciate not only the issues regarding st- statehood, but also kind of her own passion for the subject. Uh, moving on to the meeting with the Russian ambassador, I, I really don't have too much to say about it, except for actually a part that I cut out. Um, and that is, she really seemed into Leo. I mean, she was talking about how handsome he is. She was mentioning the divorce. But when you look at where the meeting goes, which we do have in this clip, I, I wonder if that was merely some kind of delay tactic in regards to the silo issue. Um, maybe she was just trying to throw him off balance uh, so that she could uh, lay a bunch of crap on him like she tried to do. Um, at any rate, Leo calls her out on her bluff uh, about the whole oil refinery thing in pretty much nothing flat, um, which if there actually was romantic air in the room, that sucked it out of the room pretty quickly, right? And e- even though it's in the middle of this clip, I, I save in my discussion of the Galileo stuff for last, because when Bartlett was handed the note about the loss of communications, it reminds you just how small and ineffective that we as a human race in the scheme of even just our solar system can be, you know, let alone the universe and the poetry and the wonder of, of the beginning of this episode, certainly that air kind of gets sucked out of the room as well. At this point, it just kind of goes dark. And I remember on a, a first watch just being really frustrated by the news, maybe almost as frustrated as Bartlett was. It was that idea that was really a great turn to propel the episodes toward that broader theme at the end. And it was all fantastically orchestrated because it just seems like when it rains, it pours for Bartlett in this moment. Not only is he having to deal with this Russian missile thing and things aren't looking so good there. And then he gets this news. I mean, that was a perfect point to, to orchestrate uh, what ends up being a great resolution to a certain degree at the end of this episode. And, of course, because we know now that Toby has a brother in the space program, thanks to the season one finale, it does make sense that Toby would be the one to have the scoop on uh, what the problem with Galileo may be. So it's cool to have him relaying that information, you know, what they can try. And um, I felt it was kind of because he does kind of have that insider information um it was almost as gutting to hear him say that they may have to cancel the classroom that uh had been set up so beautifully in the teaser and i guess that's it for this clip so let's move on to clip three where charlie talks to cj about the green beans and then cj has to face one of the people that she didn't hire as a spokesperson mallory and sam keep on talking And finally, after the concert, the president confronts the Russian ambassador. 
twice a year, the White House kitchen staff has writers coming from the food magazines. Yeah. They were in last week, and I mentioned to one of them. Charlie? I said the president doesn't like green beans. Why? Because he doesn't. How did you say it? What do you mean? What question did they ask? Is there any food he particularly likes or dislikes? I said the president likes steaks, he likes lobster, he likes spaghetti, he likes ice cream. And? He doesn't like green beans. Did you leave any wiggle room? Wiggle room? What the hell, CJ, he doesn't like green beans. We won Oregon by 10,000 votes. I don't know how many green bean farmers they have out there, but if they're 10,001, then we're screwed. CJ. This is a serious thing now. Well, I'm sorry I mouthed off the reporter, but you're out of your mind. No, I'm... Education's a serious thing. Crime, jobs, national security. In 18 months, I've been to Oregon four times, and not a single person I've met there has been stupid. Everybody's stupid in an election year, Charlie. Oh, everybody gets treated stupid in election year, CJ. Believe me, it wasn't because you were bad in bed or anything like that. No, I didn't think it was, Dad. You're good in bed. I'm great in bed. How you doing? CJ. Dad, you know, I'm sorry you didn't get the job, but there's really... You really are going to stand there and tell me this isn't personal. I really am. I think it is. I think it's personal, and I think it's unprofessional. And I think people are going to know about this. And I think you've got a problem now. I have a number of problems today, and you're not close to being any of them. Well, I was hoping we could be adult about this. I have to go. You're going to get a briefing in about an hour. On what? A Russian missile silo. You know what I think? What? I think you're caught between wanting to be mad and wanting good seats for home games. I get pretty good seats as it is, Mallory. I don't know if you've noticed the motorcade we're over in. I spoke to my dad. I'm sorry about Galileo. We've got a lot of tests that can still try. How much money is it going to cost to try it? Don't start with me. I'm asking as a taxpayer. It costs $165 million to lose the thing. How much more money is it going to cost to make sure you're never going to find it? I don't know, Mallory, but we certainly won't divert any municipal tax dollars, which are always best spent on new hockey arenas. No, it's best spent feeding and housing and educating people. There are a lot of hungry people in the world, Mal, and none of them are hungry because we went to the moon. None of them are colder, and certainly none of them are dumber because we went to the moon. And we went to the moon. Do we really have to go to Mars? Yes. Why? Because it's next. Because we came out of the cave. And we looked over the hill, and we saw fire. And we crossed the ocean, and we pioneered the west, and we took to the sky. The history of man is hung on the timeline of exploration, and this is what's next. I know. People like you who say that... What? I said, I know. We're supposed to be explorers. And what the hell? I just like hearing you talk about it. You know something? You get all puffed up. You're a pain in the ass. Yes. Anyway, look about the picture. Don't worry about it tonight. You're not pissed? I'm totally pissed. But I'm saying don't worry about it tonight. Your best trained operators have left or died. The ones you've got aren't paid very much when they're paid at all. They don't have enough to train with. Your ICBMs are well beyond their warranty life. Not seven weeks ago, you mistook a Norwegian weather rocket for a submarine-launched Trident missile because the cross-tack information never made it to the Russian CNC system. Leo, at the time the SS-19 exploded, it was being drained of its liquid hydrogen in an attempt by deserting soldiers to wait for it. Steal the warhead. Steal the warhead. When were you going to tell us about that? We'll not need help finding the leaders of the black market network. Yeah, thanks. We're sending in NATO inspectors. Leo and I were just discussing the terms. The terms are we're sending in NATO inspectors or he's taking a walk to the press room. Get your foreign minister on the phone. I really don't know from where you guys get the nerve. From a long, hard winter, Mr. President. Guess I'll tackle the CJ stuff first. Between everyone else and Toby calling her dumb, 
throughout this whole episode. Imagine how paranoid she probably feels about even being at the concert. But when it comes down to it, I absolutely love the way she stood up to this more or less a caveman who was so conceited that not only did he think that he was the best guy for the job, but that CJ was unprofessional enough to exact some kind of revenge about the fact that he stopped calling her as the, you know, the only possible explanation as to why he didn't get the job. So I rooted for CJ uh, and the way that she handled him with such poise. I won't say I fist pumped or anything, but that is one of the big upturns for her in this episode, which I I thought really paid off beautifully in the end. I, I thought that she was fantastic after more or less being belittled. I didn't really like the way Toby treated her most of this episode. I guess comparatively speaking, when you put Toby against this dude, then um, Toby doesn't seem quite as bad. But I felt kind of bad for the way they were shrinking CJ down in terms of her intelligence. And I really loved the way that she handled this guy, this freaking Neanderthal, very well. And as for the other part of CJ in this clip with Charlie, I, I, just thank you, Charlie. Thank you, thank you for pointing out just how absolutely insane Green Beans becoming a, an electoral issue is. Um, and yet this White House has been struggling with how to handle it all day long. It, it's a great way for, I think, for Sorkin and the other writer to just point out the difference between government and politics. In the end, this is something that CJ has to take to the president as well. And I'm glad that that she ended up um, bringing Charlie's point home to all of the other guys in the room. Love that. This particular clip is where things start to take a, an upturn again away from all of the darkness Another big upturn for me was was Sam bringing the magic of the Mars probe back when he was talking to to Mallory. He gets his kind of his poetic speak back. And remember, he was having a lot of trouble in the Portland episode just a a couple of episodes prior. So um, and I love that Mallory basically just did it just to make him huffy and puffy. Uh, I thought that was great. That was great revenge for Mallory. She played him totally to the hilt, uh, and I love that the most. It's probably not realistic that Sam would come up with something as poetic as he did about uh, about the Mars probe in the heat of the moment of an argument. I mean, I can't. Maybe some people can. I can't do it. But it, it just is. It was. It was a fantastic moment between the two of them, um, and and Mallory basically played him to the hilt just because. She thought it made him look cute. You know, this was definitely a win for Mallory. And I totally understand why she's still pissed about this picture. Um, But the fact that she let it go for that night with all of the other stress going on and everything just shows how great of a person she is. And and this was kind of like maybe just a a last little um, goodbye to all the things that that made Sam and and Mallory fantastic in the episodes that we've seen them before. So I'm glad that Mallory was pretty much able to just kind of let it all go 
rather than stringing it on, even though she did, you know, seek him out just to get this last little bit of revenge for herself, uh, which was great. And I guess finally in this clip, I'll talk about the little bit about the the Russian ambassador. Um, it's weird to be reminded that at various points in the last 20 or so years, the collapse of the Soviet Union has actually been scarier to our government and maybe even to the safety of the world than when the USSR was at its full strength. And the Russian ambassador's final words about a long winter, um, that's a perfect allusion to the, the resolve of the Russian people. That That's saying, I, I think, stems from the German invasion and ultimate repulsion uh, during World War II. It may go further back than that. I mean, Russians have been enduring winters for a long time. It may go back to Napoleon, for all I know. Um, at any rate, it it's also speaks to that pride and, and stubbornness that for the Russian people can be just as dangerous. So um, I thought that um, that was a really cold statement, and you can see how it affected Bartlett, and I, I did like that. That's why I say that this episode doesn't really resolve all that well, even though it does seem that everybody's going to uh, come to the table and, and the U.S. is going to help the Russians. They don't really have a choice now. Um, but the Russians, um, I, I thought that that really clearly demonstrated why the Russians were avoiding asking for help. Um, and again, made that kind of scary. And that's all I got for that clip, I guess. So let's move on to the fourth clip. We're in the Oval Office. The president gets all of the other problems and solutions of the day. And then he talks to CJ a little bit about the concert. This is still my office, right? <clears throat> we have some press things for discussion. Nothing new from NASA? They're testing the idea that it may have turned into what's called a safe mode. If it sends trouble, it's programmed to turn its systems off to avoid further damage and wait for instructions from Earth. Earth's giving it instructions. It's not responding. Like my kids. All right. So that leaves us with the televised classroom, the green beans, stamp. the stamp, and depending on who those people were that were standing near me, the possibility of a story about me being good in bed. Good in bed? Yes. Why? Because I am. Okay. Green beans. Let's do a photo op with the president eating green beans. We can drop in a quote. He's always looking for new green bean recipes. Next time we're in California, we schedule a pop in Oregon, make sure nothing burned down. Yeah, okay. What about the stamp? Here's the thing. The Citizens Stamp Advisory Committee... President doesn't like green beans. What? I'm sorry, sir. Nothing. The uh, Citizens Stamp Advisory Committee... No, I'm sorry. I said you don't like green beans, sir. CJ? He doesn't enjoy them. He doesn't think they're bad for you, and he doesn't think the people who make them are evil. They're simply not his cup of tea. He doesn't care for them. Why don't we think the adults of Oregon will be okay with that if put to them just that way? And Josh, why do you think the people, adult Americans, why do you think they can't understand that we can honor a man's contribution without necessarily subscribing to his politics? They can understand a lot of things. People stopped trusting government during Vietnam, and it was because government stopped trusting them. It's a cautionary tale, Josh. Okay, I, I was going to say, I, I think we should put him on the stamp. Oh. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, everybody go away. We'll call you back when there's a NASA update. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, sir. What is... Nothing, I just... CJ. 
Did you hear the end of the concert? I didn't hear much of the concert at all. How was it? Well, first of all, let's not kid ourselves. The Reykjavik Symphony can play. These guys have some serious game. In this particular case, their talents were tragically misapplied to an atonal nightmare of pretension. But after intermission... After intermission... They played a piece by a new composer. At first I wasn't hearing. I had 19 different things on my mind, but then I did. And CJ, it was magnificent. It was genius. He built these themes, and at the beginning, it was just an intellectual exercise, which is fun enough, I guess, but then in the fourth movement, he just let it go. I really didn't think I could be surprised by music anymore. I, I thought about it all the times this guy must have heard that his music was no good. I've got to write this guy a letter. Now, see, this particular scene is why I think I like Aaron Sorkin shows. Because there's just enough funny mixed in with the poignancy to make it all bearable. That's a hard balance to strike. And I, I felt like that Sorkin has always not only written that kind of thing well, but he's also always found people that can execute it well. And I think this is executed just as well as it's written. Uh, and I think that's why I like Aaron Sorkin stuff is because it generally has a, a good blend of funny and poignancy. Now I know I nitpick about Sorkin sometimes uh, about you know the whole moral of the story thing, and we kind of get one of those in almost every episode. I think we kind of get one in this episode, but sometimes it's not as cheesy as you get it in other shows, and um, I think that's why I find it more acceptable uh, for the most part. Like for instance, with CJ, you know, she goes off this whole great spiel about the green beans, and then. You think she's got the answer to everything, and you don't even know what Josh is going to say, but she oversteps with the stamp, and then you think, oh, man, CJ, you had it going on so well. But it was good for the sake of humor. Um, what Bartlett says about the music, though, after everybody else goes out of the room, that really hits in, in a great way, and, and it hits home for me, of course, as a musician, because in a way, CJ is the same as that composer. Uh, all of these issues that she's trying to bounce around today, um, they're, they're kind of atonal pieces that Bartlett doesn't really like. The thematic stuff, which was interesting enough to Bartlett, were the solutions that all of these people in the room had presented. And all of this is probably why Bartlett wanted to talk to her after everyone else was leaving. Because she just let it go at the end of the day just like the composer did uh, in the fourth movement. Uh, so, uh, you done with my musical metaphor stuff? That's enough, Matt? Okay. Um, last, I'll just say that, that Bartlett's talk ab about facing being called a failure as far as the, the that composer goes. Um, that brings on the, the really beautiful ending to this episode, which, of course, is our last clip where CJ gives the president the broader theme for the classroom. Mr. President, about the televised classroom tomorrow? I'm going to wait up for a while and see if we hear anything. It's out there somewhere. It's so close. 
I think you should do the classroom either way. Yeah. We have at our disposal a captive audience of school children. Some of them don't go to the blackboard or raise their hand because they think they're going to be wrong. I think you should say to these kids, you think you get it wrong sometimes, you should come down here and see how the big boys do it. I think you should tell them you haven't given up hope and that it may turn up, but in the meantime, you want NASA to put its best people in a room and you want them to start building Galileo 6. Some of them will laugh and most of them won't care, but for some, they might honestly see that it's about going to the blackboard and raising your hand. And that's the broader theme. Awesome. I'll be in my office, Mr. President. CJ. Yes, sir. You said it right that time. I'll be in my office. Lots of realism and beauty and, and truth in CJ's suggestion. Um, in fact, there's so much of it that look back on this episode as a whole, and I thought this episode is a favorite of mine, especially the way it all ties up at the end. Um, I, I love this show, this show, The West Wing, because it gives me episodes like this. And like the final cap of that, that time you said it right that Bartlett says to CJ that that was a kind of a confirmation of, of CJ's journey in this episode where everybody's been calling her dumb the whole episode. And really she's one of the brightest people in the room. It, it, it's the thing that we've been wanting to say to her really the whole episode, I guess. And, and actually for a long time. Um, and, and to me, it makes it feel much more like CJ has arrived. Um, she's not the girl who walked into the pool when Toby first hired her for the Bartlett campaign in the flashbacks of Shadow of Two Gunmen. And then where Bartlett looks to the, the sky and asks Galileo to come to life, you know, the last act of holding out hope. Because what else can you do in the face of failure except hope? Um, that's what the composer did. That's what CJ did. And you just got to let it go. And, uh, I love that, that Bartlett is still holding on to the hope that Galileo may spring to life at some point. thought that was beautifully poetic. Um, yeah, cause I'm a sap and these kind of sappy things get to me. Uh, and snuffy score did real good this episode too. Uh, so let's get to my episode rating. I have a special 10-point scale that I use, and you can find it at the website sorkincast.wordpress.com. I can definitely see why this episode goes in the top 30 episodes for the folks at Geos.tv, because it it really does have everything. Uh, It has the humor, it has character development, it has great shots, it has great writing, it has great acting. Uh, 
Um, you know, I'm not going to put it in the same ranks as, as Shadow of Two Gunmen or anything like that. Um, or one of my favorites from season one, In Excessus Deo. But it's still a very high ranking episode. And I'm kind of quivering between an 8.9 and a 9.0 as far as my rating goes. I'm trying to decide if, and again, this is by my rating system at sorkincast.wordpress.com. I'm trying to decide if this is an episode that I would tell a complete stranger to watch in order to sell them on the series as a whole. Um, The only thing that might hold me back from that would be the Sam stuff because you almost kind of have to have seen some of the season one episodes. I guess I'll keep it at an 8.9 for that reason. I can't quite go into the recommend to a complete stranger um, in order to sell them on the series uh, for that reason, but it comes darn close. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. Next week, we have the Christmas episode to review. Uh, Well, it was the Christmas episode for season two. Uh, It's season two, episode 10, entitled Noel, which is yet another big fan favorite. And remember, if you have thoughts about any of these episodes through uh, episode 11, uh, the deadline is coming up April 19th, 2016. You need to get me your thoughts on any of the first 11 episodes of the West Wing or the movie The Social Network um, by then in order to be included in our feedback podcast, which will fall into your laps this Sunday after the 19th. And I don't suppose there's anything else to talk about. Sorkincast.wordpress.com. That's where you can find all of the contact information. Remember, you can tweet at Sorkincast on Twitter, or you can call 314-669-1840 and leave a voicemail, or you can send an email to Sorkincast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. See ya. Find all of the back episodes, links, and more information at Sorkincast.wordpress.com. Leave the podcast a written review at our iTunes or Stitcher store pages. To submit feedback, send emails to sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840. The Sorkin cast is a member of the Rewatching Good TV network.